Peter Bites, and just like that, we are where we're supposed to be. Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of TGA Unofficial Live. We are thrilled to have Nick Peterson in the house for a live Q&A. And uh, just to set the table a little bit, we've had one question come in for Nick. Um, for those of you that are not Guardians and participating in the, the regular Monday calls that we have as uh, Guardians of the Guardian Academy, this is an opportunity for you to get the same level of insight and inspiration from Nick that we get on a regular basis on our Monday calls. So uh, we strongly encourage you to go ahead and drop a question into the comments. I'll be looking down at my phone to grab those as they come in. Um, but before we get started, for sure, uh, I got to check in with my uh, with my sister from another Mr. Vivica. How are you, Vivica? <laughs> I am doing good, sir. <laughs> Excited to be here. Excited to have Nick here. Um, I think the the quarterly calls and the Q and A's with Nick will be huge for everybody, uh, especially non guardians, like you said, to kind of get access to to Nick and ask some questions that they normally wouldn't be able to do or um, have time to ask with him. So excited for Nick to be here. And uh, go ahead, Scott, you can get into your questions. Sure. Well, one of our newer members to the Facebook group, David, has uh, asked Nick, if you, can, if you can expand a little bit more on explore and exploit. And he was oh, yeah. asking about transition. So, you know, context matters, of course, and it applies differently to different things. But it sounds like what David's doing is he is looking for some help micro-stepping into a new offer of some sort. Okay. Can you hear me? Sure can. Cool. So explore, exploit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the medium route. I'll try not to go the long route. Uh, but... Explore Exploit just it's a way to help identify and understand trade-offs. And in this particular case, trade-offs between uh, whether to explore something new or exploit what is known. So exploit is not used a negative connotation here. It's just the opposite of exploring. Uh, so a lot of people's exploitation is bad and like in the context they're using it, sure, but it's actually in if you look at computer science. Uh, it's just the opposite of exploring. So a few quick examples just to drive that point home. If you're in a super crowded parking lot, it's like Christmas. We were just talking about the holidays. Uh, you know, it's Christmas Eve and you're trying to get you know, to Target last minute and you're in the parking lot and you're way far away and you see an open spot. Right? And there's a line of cars behind you. The explore exploit question would ask... Do I exploit what I already know, which means do I park in this spot or do I explore to see if there's a spot closer? Now, the, the big issue with that trade-off is when you exploit or explore, you often lose the chance to do the other. So if you go past the parking, the parking spot to find another one, the car right behind you might take it and now it's gone. Does that make sense? So, so it's... You know, you can't have your cake and eat it too type stuff. Uh, when you get married, hopefully you are exploiting. You are saying, you know, you're not supposed to. You don't get to exploit, say, this is the one that I want. This is my wife. And also explore potential wives. You don't get to do both. Once you do one, right? Now, the person you're dating might be at a point where you either commit and if you continue to keep exploring, they're going to go somewhere else. So exploring can cost you the opportunity of exploiting and vice versa. Does that make sense? 
Okay. So it's a very real problem. And uh, it's, I learned it in the context of computer science because computers have to decide. We run 47 tabs and 10 programs. It has to decide, do we explore more efficient ways or do we just exploit what we know? Do we open new tabs or do we, like, do we put different tabs to the front of the screen or do we just run the ones that they're the most likely to use? So these are all, these are all trade-offs. Uh, and when it comes to explore, exploit, there is an answer. Uh, should I explore? Should I exploit? And the answer is found in what is called the multi-armed bandit problem. And I apologize if you've heard this before, but it basically states if you're in a casino and assume that these, you know, these aren't totally rigged and you're playing slot machines and you find out that this slot machine pays out a little bit better than all the other ones you've tried. Should you, and the place is packed, right? Should you continue to play this slot machine? because it pays out a little bit higher than all the other ones you've tried? Or do you go explore to see if maybe there's one that pays out higher? Again, if you go explore, somebody else might find this one. So what's the answer? The answer is, it depends. I'll give you one more example. Should you go out to eat at your favorite restaurant? You want to have the best dining experience possible. Should you go out to eat at your favorite restaurant, the one that you know that you love? Or should you go try to find one you might love more? The answer is, it depends. The answer to all explore exploit problems are it depends. And what does it depend on? It depends on how much time you have left. So if you just moved into town and you're going to be there for 10 years, you should explore. If you are moving out of town tomorrow, so it's the last night you're going to be here, you should exploit what you already know. If you're going to be in the casino... For another three minutes, you should exploit, right? Lower time frame, more exploit. If you just moved and you actually live above the casino and you got a five-year lease, so you're going to be there for five years, you should explore. So the answer to explore, exploit is actually bound by time. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, if you're 16 years old and you feel like you're going to live a really long time, it might make more sense to maybe try dating before you get married. If you're 55 and you've done a lot of dating and you really enjoy this person, it might make more sense to exploit because you have less time. And so you see this over and over and over. Uh, if you got three days to drive around the parking lot, you can explore. If you're on a time crunch, exploit. Right? So when, when it talks to transitioning, uh, explore, exploit, there's a few things. The first is as much as possible you want to avoid you want to avoid the middle. Mm. Right? Not recognizing okay, so I'm dating. I'm in explore mode. Or I've been with this one person and I believe this might be the person I spend the rest of my life with, so I'm kind of in exploit mode. I'm no longer exploring actively. You have to know which one you're doing. Or is this an exploratory activity or is this an activity that you feel like you have all the information you need um, and you can write it? That's exploit. So that's step one. Most business owners doing new offers aren't sure. So if you're starting something new and you're not even sure if you like delivering on it and you're not quite sure how profitable, profitable it will be, but you are scaling the ad spend, you are trying to do both. 
you, you should be either exploring what does this look like? Do I like doing it? Am I willing to do it forever? Is it scalable? Do I get good results? Those are all exploratory things. And only once the point of exploring is to determine what is worth doing. So only once you say, yes, this is absolutely something that I can, based on all the information I have, this is the one. Would you move it over to exploit, which is you build the systems, you build the operations, and you build all the things around it. If you try to build systems and operations around exploratory things, you will run out of resources faster than you can imagine. Right? It's like trying to build a house for every girl you're dating. You, know? it's, you wait till you're married, you have the one, and then you buy the dream house. But you don't build a dream house for everybody you're dating because any one of them might be the one. You'd run out of resources, right? Uh, so that, that step one is, is super clear. Now, if you're transitioning from one business to another, uh, the business you have now, generally speaking, in my opinion, that is now, if you're saying, I want out of this, but you're, I'm going to be an adult. I'm not just going to like run away, set on fire. I'm going to, you know, get out of it responsibly. That goes on exploit mode. You're no longer exploring whether it's worth doing, Right. So you have to be clear in your brain, that's exploit mode. And when it's exploit mode, what do you do? You build systems, you build operations, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the trick is once you put it on exploit mode, stop adding new shit to it. Mm. We see this all the time. Like, I want out of this business. And then they're like, oh, I got an idea. I'll add this product. It's like, well, okay, so you're exploring, you're exploring a new product in a business you want to get out of. You're in the middle of the barbell again. So right? Existing business goes on exploit. And it's not negative. Again, you're just saying if it's on exploit, it is because I do not believe it is worth exploring further and it may not have much time left. Uh, so if you have a really, if, if you have a really strong ad campaign and you're worried or you believe that Facebook and it's on Facebook ads and you believe Facebook is not going to be around for very long for whatever reason. I'm not saying that. I'm just, that's what you believe. And you truly believe that TikTok is the future. From an advertising standpoint, you would exploit what you already know on Facebook because there's not a lot of time in your mind. There's not time to explore new campaigns, exploit what you know, but you believe TikTok will be the future for the next 20 years. You would do your exploratory work on TikTok because you have a lot of time to explore. So hopefully that makes sense. So you kind of start placing things based on how much time you believe is left. And that's totally a, your belief is your belief. Uh, so that's one. Uh, two is exploit the explore, the, the, the point of the exploratory stuff. And this is hard and I get it. And I can totally get it. The point of the exploratory stuff is to try to figure out what is worth exploiting. That's all. And it's really important to keep that top of mind because if you go explore this thing and you mindlessly try to exploit it without determining whether it's worth exploiting, you're going to end up with six different things that you fucking hate, but you have an obligation in each of them. Right, because you built systems, you built operations, maybe you hired people, you took on clients, you had them pay for a year up front, you did all kinds of stuff that was not appropriate for exploratory mode. So exploratory mode, you want 
everything you do, you can make money. You can, that's fine. You can make, you can charge big profit, all that stuff. But the number one priority is to determine whether this is worth doing. So if you want to explore a mastermind, I would recommend doing one event and feeling it out. Because if you sell one year mastermind in an exploratory mode and three months later, you determine it's totally not worth continuing to do, well, you still have nine months of service debt because you weren't clear whether this was an explore or exploit play. Uh, So exploit, fine. Uh, But in the exploratory stuff, I recommend the smallest steps possible that will give you the evidence you need to determine whether or not it's worth doing again and how to do it again. You might say that was awesome, but I fucking, I hated the catering. I don't ever want to do catering again. Cool. Do it again without catering. Hmm. See how you like that. You know, so it's a, it's a series of micro steps. Uh, it's exploratory. You could totally make money on those events. That's fine. You know, I'm not saying exp- exploratory doesn't mean mindlessly doing stuff and not making money. It just means being cognizant that you're in explore mode. Right. So you, you probably want shorter obligations. Uh, if you have the skill set and the desire and the audience, you could charge a lot of money for a short obligation if you want. Uh, so it's not it's not about that. It's just about stepping into these things, playing soft offense. Uh, and then the tricky part is there, there's there's a third component of explore exploit when it comes to business because you can think of it. And if you're like me, if you're a quick start, if you're a high quick start, high implementer, you could think of it and do it before anybody else even had time to figure out how it was going to get done. All right. The problem is you will never be able to build the systems, the operations, train it, all that stuff as fast as you can do it. So the, so exploit, explore, I know this is a fire hose to the face. I'm happy to answer any follow-up questions. Uh, if it's exploratory and the data comes in and you have a belief, this is all based on your belief and your personal preference and all that stuff. You go, wow, I could do this forever. I love this. This is a thing. There's a process that it has to go through. I call it convert. So you got to explore. Okay. It's worth doing. Now we got to convert it to something that is repeatable mm-hmm. exploit and you have to understand and this is the hard part because you in if i understand this question correctly on one hand you have your exploit business and it still takes resources to run that because you still need that to pay bills and stuff and you got this awesome new idea and it's validated and it's really tempting to just cancel this thing and swap this thing over and it's probably not the best idea Unfortunately, because there's a time I'm just telling you to be aware of this. There's time and resources and like talking to other people and finding staff and building systems and organization and all this shit to get it all the way over to the other side. Right. And then you can decide what to do with this thing that's been pissing you off and bugging you for however long, you know, the thing that you want to get out of. Uh, so that's kind of the fires to the face. Uh, and my, my recommendation is I understand that it's hard, it's frustrating, it's annoying. 
being in a business you don't want to be in and trying to get out. Um, if you're not careful, you're going to start another one that's hard and annoying that you hate that you want to get out of. So I do recommend strongly, I strongly recommend orienting your brain to explore. So you really do take the time, even though I'm sure, and I'm speaking to everybody here, when you're in this place, there's a lot of pressure to get out of the thing you want to get out of. And to not give into that pressure, because uh, what will happen is you'll give into the pressure, you'll do something really quickly, you'll end up doing it the same way you did it before, and you'll end up in the same position two or three years from now anyway. Uh, so I would take the however long it takes, a couple months, to truly let things sit very clearly in the explore phase and think deeply about what is worth doing and allow things to reinvent themselves. Like the example I gave, you might say, this is how you do events. You do this and you get it catered and you do this and you do that. And you realize it's actually just the catering. I hate, I hate dealing with the catering. So try an event without it. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater type stuff. Uh, and just, Right. So you're exploring a whole new thing like events, but each component of that event can also be explored. And you really figure out what our events we're doing. That's one question. But then the next one is uh, how would that event need to look in order to continue to be worth doing? And then what would the, what kind of clients would I need to serve in order for that to continue to be worth doing? Right. Then how would, so I need these kind of clients. Okay. Well then, what kind of marketing stuff would I need to do in order to get those clients? And with that kind of marketing, is that something worth doing? All right. So it's a whole exploratory phase and you can make money the whole time. Uh, I just recommend taking the time to allow yourself to explore. Awesome. Well, I was a fire hose to the face, I'm sure, for most people. <laughs> um, guardians are exposed to some of this stuff, obviously, um, through the Guardian Academy and CCA. But um, I guess for for follow-up, for the people that are transitioning, because we do have a lot of business owners here and it's people that are working on side projects and, and launching stuff, any um, – when you're saying to kind of, you know, get it over here before you kind of get do away with everything um, at one time, any tips or things that you can kind of help people with that? Because I'm sure that's probably the toughest part in that transition is, is moving that over and kind of getting it to the point where that's the primary and then you kind of do away with. So any kind of insight on that step? Because I'm sure that, you know, if I'm kind of looking at myself for things that I'm trying to work on or projects I have going on, that's probably the hardest part is is, is letting go of the one and, and getting that one in that primary position at the right time. Yeah, I mean, this is this is where I'm not like a popular speaker because I don't, you know, I don't walk off stage and everybody feels like I'm ready to go. Uh, the, the truth <laughs> is. It's really hard. It's really hard. And it takes a lot of work on yourself and with others because it does require other people. And so sometimes there's this, you know, man, I got these six ideas and I could just move them over. And it's like a lot of people be lucky to get one idea that hits in their lifetime 
all the way over to a point where it is reliable and exploitable. And so sometimes a lot of people are just trying to do too much. Uh, and then a lot of a lot of people, it, it can be done a lot of ways. So I'm more collaborative. I, I really have like a, a let's find somebody that can help with this attitude. You can't, it's really hard to transition stuff over on your own. And so, and the reason being, generally speaking, is the exploratory personality is not, so the exploit personality is a COO. Like, a, you know, uh, the exploratory personality is more visionary and more like totally all over the place with all their ideas all the time. Uh, and they butt heads. So uh, to me, given my personality and, and the people that I've I've dealt with and the, the companies that I'm in the middle of and all this stuff, uh, it's another point of you got to slow down. For the for most people, I believe you you need help, uh, and to get that help, you have to work really hard on communication. Because if you get somebody that is like you, you're both just going to be a both. You're either both going to be like way too detail oriented to get nothing done, or you're both going to be visionary wackadoos and nothing's ever going to get moved over. Uh, so there's a piece of of learning to collaborate with people that are not like you and requires a lot of communication. Uh, otherwise it's just consistently zooming out and I'm, I'm trying to explain the vision that I have. Uh, you got one thing and trying to move something else over. I'll tell you what not to do. Learn to appreciate when bad things don't happen, right? I'll tell you what not to do. Um, Tony Robbins and a few others have made this whole thing popular, really popular. Burn the boats. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, if you know the whole story, and some of you have heard, heard me say this before, uh, Cortez was told, if you come back unsuccessful, you will all be hanged. So if you do not take the island, you all die. So when he burned the boats, he was not taking the biggest risk possible, which is how they use that story, right? Uh, the biggest risk possible was actually going back without taking the island, 100% certainty of death. So by burning the boats, he did not t- take the biggest risk and conquer the island. Uh, it was actually the least risky path. So that part of the story is really important because the real lesson is uh, don't take an enormous amount of risk to force yourself to do something that is speculative. That's just a guess. Uh, and so I would say, unless you have a tremendously high risk tolerance, uh, don't burn the boats. Get help. There are people that do this. Um, the people that do the stuff that you need help with are hard to find. And it doesn't matter if you're if you're this personality or that personality, the other personality is hard to find because they don't hang out with you. You know, like we go in these groups of masterminds and they're all people kind of like me. So guess what? That opposite personality is not in there. 
So it's always hard to find these people. Uh, but find the people that can help. And then uh, I think the the biggest thing is I have Laurel Portier. She's in the office right now. And we're just working on stuff. And and what the reason she's been able to do such incredible things and change her offer around over time is uh, she has a longer time preference. She says, okay, if I do this in five years, I'll be able to, to transition. And it usually takes a couple months. But the, just the fact that she's not rushing because she's on a five-year timeline, uh, it keeps her in a state of sobriety. There's no urgency. Uh, and that, that just allows us to, you know, we can say, uh, hey, I'm really stressed out because I really want to get this done. And I can say, Laurel, go take a fucking nap. You know, and because we're on a five-year timeline, okay, I'll go take a nap and I'll come back. And that actually helps us just stay sober. So so finding ways to stay sober and not rush uh, and a million ways to do that. Everybody's kind of got their own thing. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So quick shout out to Laurel Portier. She has a lot of fans here in the Facebook group as well. So great to hear that you guys are connecting there. And uh, I just want to say as, a, as an explore junkie, recovering explore junkie, uh, I'm in the middle of uh, a situation where I'm digging myself out of the, the, the downside of being uh, a very strong explore personality as opposed to exploit. So that's all really great advice. We do, um, Nick, have uh, a couple questions coming in. Yusuf asked this. He he did follow up and say what he, what he meant to say is if you can't build the operations as fast as you can implement, why can't you build the back end of the business first, the operations, and then the front end, the products and the sources monetization? Um, so I, uh, I hope you understand that question better than I do. But um, I do. Yeah. I do. Awesome. And that's a common question. Let me tell you who does that. For the most part, Fortune 500s. And let me tell you why Fortune 500s do that. Because they have nearly unlimited resources. Right? So to build the back end of something significant, you're talking about tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of dollars to truly build the back end that could support what you want to do. And if you could throw money at 10 different projects, a couple million at each one, um, the other thing about Fortune 500 companies that do this, which they do, is they also understand that once they go to the front end, front end marketing, it's all a guess because we haven't explored. We went straight to exp what you're asking is, why don't you build the exploit first and then go explore? Uh, it's all a guess. So a Fortune 500 might spend half a billion dollars building the back end infrastructure for multiple different products, understanding that. If they're lucky, one of those products will actually get validated by buyers in the public. So because we're speaking to entrepreneurs that don't have unlimited resources, I can't recommend building it and then crossing our fingers that we could figure out the front end acquisition, right? It's a very, very expensive build on the hope that you can figure out the acquisition. And we don't know yet how much it's going to cost for that acquisition. So we don't even know how much money we're going to have to spend to validate the thing yet. Uh, and if you have the resources, that is a, that's actually the fastest way to do it. That's why they do it that way. They say, here's, you know, Apple's got their incubator. Microsoft's got a huge treasury. Uh, they say, here's a couple hundred million dollars, uh, build the infrastructure for this thing. And then we'll pay some agency, some ad agency for a shit ton of data. That's really, really expensive. We'll use all that data. And we'll advertise and market it. And the things that do end up being profitable, we'll keep. And they'll become part of our product line. 
it's just incredibly resource intensive. Right. So that explore piece tells us, do people want this? How do I want? So part of the explore piece is what do I want to deliver and how do I want to deliver it? And if we don't do that piece and we build the backend operations, we might be building something that we would have discovered we don't fucking want to do. But now we have a sunken cost because we just spent $300,000 building this system. And then when we went out and actually implemented it, discovered, oh, we don't like this part. Well, we could have saved all of that cost had we explored first, right? So it's just a, it's a optimize before you maximize, assuming everybody in this group and everybody that's not you know, publicly traded Fortune 500 uh, has to be cognizant of resource allocation. It's a good question, though. And if resources were infinite, would 100% do it that way? Because uh, you can just pay for everything. So when you're talking about explore, exploit, and you're saying that there's, it's basically comes down to time. Is there ever, a, uh, is there ever like a time where you, it's not so much time focus and it's more co like a, a cost opportunity? where it's like like hard cost or like something that takes you because we do it, you know, closer versus more or so, or does it always, no matter what, come down to a time thing? Uh, I think it starts with time. It starts with time because uh, there's, there's, there's cost to consider for sure. Okay. But let's say like the example I just gave was to uh, not spend unnecessary costs. Right. Uh, but if I look at, okay, so I want to have a top 10 at the box office movie. That's my goal. That would be really hard to do right now. And we could talk about resource allocation and preferences and all that stuff. But the way that people are watching movies is changing. So I don't know that I even have enough time to explore how to do that. If that truly is my, I might change my goal. I might just want like the number one most downloaded movie on Netflix. Right. But the actual like movies watched at the box office. We watch movies differently now. Right. So will there even be a box office top 10? if most movies are go straight to prime video, I don't know. And so to me, it still starts with time because you have to see, is there enough time for me to even get started? And if there's not enough time, I will not be able to explore. So the cost of the cost is going to be significantly more because I have to go straight to exploit. So then now we're thinking, can I even afford this? So exploring allows you to keep costs significantly lower, both time, money, effort, energy, et cetera. Uh, so hopefully there's other resources to consider, uh, effort, energy, money, uh, all that stuff. But I think it starts with time. Is And the real question is, do I have time to explore? If not, I have to exploit. And if I have to exploit, do I have the resources to exploit? And if not, I probably shouldn't try to do this thing. Does that make sense? Really that's, that's the footnote right there, guys. That's You want to mark that time? 
31, 32 minutes in. That was that was it. You summed it up perfectly, I think, with that. Go ahead, Scott. Um, I was just gonna so Nick, if you have a few more minutes, we have a question mm-hmm. from Jeremy that that weaves a little bit into what you were just saying. He says my issue is the dispersion trap. And you know, my take on Jeremy's question speaks to a little bit uh of a nuance to what um Vivica was just asking, what you just spoke to, which is how do how do you keep the main thing the main thing? Um, and how do you, you know, keep yourself on track and, and taking the next viable micro step to getting closer to what you really want? If you are the kind of personality that is prone to, you know, be looking for squirrel, if squirrels are not available to chase to uh, looking for them anyways. Yeah. Well, first, that's a great question. And there, there's it depends. In my opinion, everything depends. The, the first is, are you really clear on what matters to you? It's a lot easier to avoid distraction when you do that whole, like, had a conversation with myself on my deathbed and I realized, you know, 99-year-old me said, I don't really care if you have five cars or not, Um, then maybe I don't need five cars, you know? So one is, like, do you really have a sense of of what matters to you? If not, start there. There's still distractions and all that stuff. Um, But what we're really asking is how do we drive down – volatility time off track right and there's no way to know how much time you're spending off track if you don't have a destination and we can't see the track right so it's like you got to draw a straight line to what really matters to you most and then try to limit the time you spend you know driving in any other direction than that and you'll never go in a straight line and that always what you want always changes but you still need something to determine whether or not you are on track or not so one where am i trying to go where am, where am I at? Where am I trying to go? And then the whole game is increasing velocity. Now, uh, there's a few things that come to mind. The first is, are resources a problem? So I'm here and I want to get here. Are resources a problem? Time, money, effort, energy, right? If so, I believe it's a different strategy than if resources are less of a problem and what i mean by that is if you imagine a hose and like you turn the water on here and it flows through and what you're really trying to do is you're trying to improve the throughput more resources so your water faucet of leads you know they're they're really talking to like more what they're telling you is you turn on the water faucet of money because money's a resource um so you imagine this hose okay and then there's all these things all these reasons that you're not getting the throughput that you want, the outcome that you want. And those are like kinks in the hose. Okay. The water faucet's here. Now there's all these things you could learn and you can totally justify it's removing a kink from the hose somewhere. All right. Well, this will be useful to me someday. Like, sure. However, if resources are a problem, the way that I would prioritize personally is you say, okay, water faucet here, kinks in the hose. The way I would organize those kinks in the hose is whatever the thing is that if removed will unlock the most resources is the first thing to focus on because resources are the problem, right? So if you remove a kink way down here, it does remove a kink, but it doesn't improve the throughput because it's got this most immediate kink here. So you want to remove the most immediate kink, which improves the throughput. It gives you more resources to help remove the other ones. So if, re, if, if extremely limited resources are the problem, uh, 
I would prioritize that way. The next one or two things need to go right. It would be okay. Maybe in a linear fashion, if I had all the money in the world, this wouldn't be the right order of operations. But because I'm short on resources, I would actually put the things, I would prioritize the things that unlock more resources for you, more time, more money, more energy, more attention. And so it may really be like, I'm going to, you know, get my health together. That may not be like a direct step to where you want to go, but if energy and, you know, motivation and stuff like that is your number one, is the resource you're lacking, then you might want to do a thing that unlocks more energy and motivation so that you can actually remove the other kinks. So that's, if resources are limited, uh, I prioritize differently. Uh, two, if priorities are not limited, even if they are, if they're not extremely limited, or if resources are not extremely limited, it's simply theory of constraints. For those of you that have, go study theory of constraints, which is basically saying, and I already know some of the objections, I'll try to address them. This is the most immediate constraint, right? Take all your resources and put them here. Remove that constraint. And people say, and I get it. I feel the same way. But there's so many things I want to learn. I'm such a student. I'm so curious. I think, because I'm guilty of this too, I actually think you're using that as an excuse to procrastinate because removing this constraint would actually be the single most important useful thing you could possibly learn. Right? So all that curiosity Direct it to removing the, or doing the next immediate step. How do I know you need to learn it? Because you haven't done it yet. If you knew how to do it, you would have done it. So it's really understanding that if you're truly curious, you surely so much to learn. If you only focus on the next constraint, you will learn a lot. Hmm. Right? It'll unlock more resources and there'll be another constraint. And then you got to learn a new thing. And then another constraint and another constraint. And you actually end up learning as much or more but you learn it in a way that is immediately useful to you instead of a bunch of random shit. So, you know, but I got so much to learn. I get it. Uh, but if you reorient, you will actually learn a lot more and more useful stuff. If you can identify that constraint and put all your cognitive horsepower to learning the thing that helps you remove that constraint. Does that make sense? So most of the time in my experience and I catch myself, it's like, Oh, but I really want to learn like, you know, the various theorems of aerodynamics, like, okay, yeah, you're really just trying to procrastinate. You're just avoiding the main thing because there's something way more important to learn. And I know you don't know it because if you knew it, it wouldn't be a constraint. Well, I, that, that's super helpful. And that, that, that helps me. Vivica, I hopped in out of turn because if Nick, Nick, if you have 10 more minutes, I'd like to wrap things up with a case study or uh, kind of a real life example. Do you have a, a few more minutes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's just say for the sake of argument that there were a couple of guardians, maybe one that looks a lot like me and one that looks a lot like Vivica. And we are exploring the idea of some sort of collaboration. Um, as someone that's that's done a number of collaborations and, and had a number of, of partnerships over the years and built really successful businesses, how would you what what advice would you give 
um, to someone, uh, to a couple of people that are in that explore phase and and what strategically, how would you encourage them to micro step into some sort of um, offering uh, and some sort of partnership? Sure. Totally hypothetical, of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I would explore. I would do stuff like this. I would interview people together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, everything I just said. Now, in the case of collaboration, the most difficult collaboration, in my opinion, and it depends on skill sets, but generally the most difficult collaboration is two great people come together to start something brand new. Because uh, there's, there's, there's not a lot of momentum behind that new thing. <coughs> Does that make sense, first of all? So from it, it's great if you go from the ground floor because you can build whatever the hell you want. And there's no pre like, you know, like if you have a successful business, somebody else comes in to collaborate, that's generally easier for the two collaborating, but it gets confusing for clients and constituents and all that stuff. Uh, so my, my recommendation and, and the reason a lot of collaborations don't work is that values change at scale. And everybody says, no, they don't. And they do. Okay. They always do. And they should. Uh, I'll just give you a, an example. It's just like basic anti-fragility. If you are homeless and somebody says, hey, you meet God, right? And God's like, I'm just going to put everybody in a cup and shake it up. And everybody's going to change you know, swap lives like Freaky Friday. If you're homeless, that's a great deal because you are almost certainly going to end up better off than you were. But if you're Jeff Bezos, that's a horrible deal because you're almost certainly going to end up worse off than you are. Right? So randomness benefits, if it's not engineered, uh, randomness benefits people more uh, when they're starting and when they have less. And it hurts them more when they're older and they have more because randomness is going to pull to the middle, right? Mm. So when you first start to collaborate, even if you're both super successful separately, you first start a collaboration, a whole bunch of random shit will happen and it'll probably, you'll probably be better off for it. And as you grow and grab get a reputation and all that stuff, uh, the randomness, the time and randomness, starts to get more difficult to deal with if you're not on the same page because the values won't change the exact same way. You're different ages, different genders, different priorities, live in different places, uh, might have different political beliefs. I don't know. Those are all things that don't matter right now because the stakes are low and they start to matter more as the stakes get higher. Right. So I would hash it all out, first of all. Uh, privately, not publicly, hash it all out just so when this stuff happens, you can say, but I told you this, the other party can say, yeah, you're right. You did. Okay. All right. So, cause what always happens in a new partnership is as things grow, if they do well, one or both parties starts doing this. Well, you've changed. Well, yeah, of course, everything's changed. Right. When we're both sleeping on the floor homeless, I'll give you the shirt off my back. You'll give it like we're just trying to survive. But now we both have, you know, uh, Scott, you have you have grandkids now and stuff. And like that change it. That just it's different. It's different. So you hash all that up right right at the beginning. Now, my recommendation is to really find the sweet spot and be totally trans. I'm just talking to you two, but the concepts apply. 
I'd be totally transparent about it. This is how I like to do collaborations. Uh, Scott, you tell people like you, there's a reason you want to collaborate with uh, Vivica. I don't know what it is. I don't care. Vivica, reason you want to, I don't care. Like you can tell me all that stuff. You can say nice things about each other, whatever. <laughs> uh, but what's important is that you watch and you identify the characteristics that make you want to collaborate and don't tell each other. I mean, you can, I don't really, I'm not a words of affirmation guy, but don't go to Scott and say, Scott, you know, it's just, I've the way you put together these group programs, it just blows my mind. That doesn't help anybody. It makes him feel good. Go to everybody else and tell them the way Scott puts together these programs, it fucking blows my mind. And Scott, is that every time you go, man, Vivica, the way she does this data and like, it just, I've never been able to make decisions like this. It's just boom, visual right in front of me. Don't tell her that. Go tell everybody else. Uh, I think that's the best way to collaborate. And what will happen is people that know, like, and trust Scott, that's why they're listening to him, start to develop an appreciation for Vivica's competence and skill set and vice versa. And through that, as you're micro-stepping, you will be able to tell, because they're not going to tell you, right? If you come to me, Scott, you're like, hey, can you just give me an honest opinion? This is my offer. What do you think? That, that's a tough position to be in because I'll do, you know, I'll do my best to be honest, but this isn't like a real, this is like, like kind of a vacuum. It's not like a real organic situation. But if you say, uh, if Vivica's like, yeah, you know, Scott's amazing. He does this, this, and this. I'll straight up tell her if you're not in the room. I'm like, yeah, but this part doesn't matter. Nobody cares about that. Tell me more about that other thing, though. So you're getting feedback about what makes your collaboration uh, valuable to others in kind of a roundabout way where it's very honest. And so I'd have those conversations. I would do stuff together. I would listen I would listen to what people say about the other person and what they deliver, and I would share that feedback and start to kind of put together what the offer looks like based on that feedback. All right? Anytime you can get, like Scott, if you can get other people to tell you in confidence what they really liked, didn't like, got value out of from whatever Vivica did, it's going to be more honest than whatever they tell her and vice versa. So I would start there, and I would really – because. You know, you, you have to have an honest conversation. And honestly, I think your spreadsheets are super cool, but nobody else fucking cares about them. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that's the case, but that's the kind of feedback that will actually help you build an offer that people want to participate in. Uh, I do that all the time. You, you know, some of my partners where I'm like, I think this is really cool. I geek out on all day, but I'll tell you right now, public doesn't care. And that makes our offer better. It makes our marketing better, all that stuff. So I'd have a shit ton of conversations and, you know, I'd be interested to see what comes of it because I think it'd be a cool collaboration. Sorry to put you on the spot, Vivica. No, I didn't know you were going to say anything. I didn't, but, um, but I appreciate that. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the topics, obviously the, that we talked about earlier, we're, we're hitting spot on. So I was like, man, do I say anything? Cause <laughs> it was just all resonating and it, you know, it just happened to be that way, which was good. Um, 
Yeah, I, I appreciate the words and the and the insights. As someone that doesn't like to collaborate or doesn't collaborate in general, um, I'm the opposite of Scott. So this would be probably one of my first times collaborating with someone on that level. And hopefully, you know, we'll come up with something cool and something that that helps really is what it came from. Scott's awesome, but I just really want to fill the gaps in some of these um, places that we're, you know, kind of noticing patterns and stuff. So we'll figure it out. We'll micro step as, as much as we can and into something hopefully cool and, you know, figure it out along the way. And we'll, we'll obviously uh, nudge you for some help, maybe. <laughs> Scott, what do you, um, what are your thoughts on what he just said? Well, I'm a big fan of micro stepping for sure. So I appreciate the, um, the, the, you know, the, erring on the side of caution and, 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 uh, taking things slow. I think slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think, um, you know, the, it's also a matter of priorities, like the prior, uh, you know, when Vivica approached me about these, just talking about this, it was like, okay, well, let's, let's start with just talking about it. So, um, you know, cause the most important thing is to not, um, you know, because the most important thing for me right now is just the, the, the relationship. I would never want that to be damaged because we rushed into something and things got messy or uh, complicated or, or what have you. So I, everything you said, Nick, today has been immensely helpful, not just um, for Vivica and I, but I'm sure for everyone else. And I, I, I dropped that that bomb just to um, to put a kind of a real world spin on things. So um I think it's time to start wrapping, uh, landing this plane. You've been super generous with your time, Nick. Uh, and just for all you, you folks here on the call and in the Facebook group and that are watching in replay, Nick has um, agreed that we'll do these kind of Q&As with Nick quarterly. It's a spectacular opportunity, especially for those of you that are not guardians of the Guardian Academy to get the kind of feedback um, that that's open to us on the regular Monday calls. And Nick, I'm going to um, just turn it over to you one last time. If there's one last um piece of advice or, uh, you know, take away from this conversation or anything you want to say uh, to wrap things up. And then we'll uh, let you get on with what I know is a very busy week. Yeah, we got an event starts tomorrow. We got VIP stuff tomorrow. It'll be fun. Um, and I know some people watching, I'll see, I got some people in the office already. I'll just say, uh, you know, I see follow-up questions in the group and I'll, I'll answer them via text if I, when I have time. Uh, I'll just say that there there's processes to to sort through all this stuff that we talk about, and it takes time and repetition and doing stuff. Yeah, like actually doing the stuff. And so, ninety nine percent of the data that is useful comes from implementing, meaning. And I'll use a funnel example because I just saw a question about direct response. If somebody says, okay, you run these ads, you get $3 per click, and you'll get opt-ins for this and this and this and this, that is all an estimation of the future based on somebody else's data at some other time. The only useful data is yours, unique to you, relative to you, that you have collected. Uh and so just remember, we talk about explore, exploit. We talk about collaborations. We talk about all these things. And uh, I will do my best 
to share my perspective. We have a ton of amazing guests that come in and share their perspective. Uh, and I encourage you to take the smallest step possible, get your own data. And then the conversations become significantly more valuable because we're not talking about a bunch of estimations, my estimation versus your estimation. You could show up and say, well, here's, I know that you said I should expect this, but here's what actually happened, right? That's data that you've collected through doing something. And then you can start having a really useful conversation, which, you know, that's kind of stuff that, especially with guardians on Mondays and events that um, we really want to get into. So I appreciate the people that watch, appreciate the people that watch all of these, even the ones I'm not on. Uh, I just can't encourage you enough not to burn the boats. I'm not saying burn the boats. Jump all in. Say, start taking really small steps. And you could say, okay, explore, exploit. This makes sense to me. Take a small step and then recognize it in your own context. And you might see something a little bit different that never came up today. And it's totally valid. Just because I didn't say it doesn't make it invalid. You know, but that's how you start learning how to take these concepts and principles and really apply them and, and reinvent them in a way that's really useful to you. So hopefully that makes sense. I'm just encouraging you to take action, small action, look at the data, share it, discuss it, take another small step. Uh, and things happen, start happening pretty quick. Awesome. Take some, Vivica. Well, thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate you as always. Uh, obviously, I appreciate you too, Scott. But Nick, yeah, definitely. Um, enjoying these these little Q&As and, and insights with you. Um, looking forward to doing these quarterlies. And I know that, um, you know, everyone's looking forward to more in live, you know, in-person events and stuff this year, which is awesome. So hopefully you guys have a great weekend. I'll be tuning in from Atlanta and um, hopefully we'll see you guys in March. But um, but yeah, thanks for coming. Looking forward to the next one and uh, enjoy your, your weekend. Thanks awesome. guys.